This episode is sponsored by Riverside, your all-in-one podcast and video platform. I've been using Riverside for years, super high quality podcast recordings ready in minutes, but listen to this. They just launched Magic Clips, which is their AI-powered video clips maker for social media. So I do one podcast episode and get 10 video clips back in minutes. This is game-changing for video content creators. Click the link in the show notes and use the code MSM23 for 15% off. So this is a bonus episode. It's a special episode I wanted to add for you to listen to. I invited back Josh Lohman. He is the founder and CCO at Goldfront. I invited him back. Last time he was on the show, we talked about category design and we really focused on that. But this time, he actually had an idea for me on what to talk about in this episode. And, you know, I'm asking a lot of why questions in season four. This one is very interesting and special and unique because we talk about why happiness. And it's not something that we bring into our business conversations. It's not something we bring into our startup conversations, but it is so important. And so um, I think you're going to really love this bonus episode where we talk about why happiness and then tie it back to your startup, what you're doing there, how you're growing it, and also tying it back to category design. Believe it or not, we do tie that back to category design And also what's fun about this episode is that we cover category designing my company. Josh actually walks me through how he would think about it if I were to category design my business. So enjoy. If you're at an early stage startup, you're in the right place. Every startup begins bootstrapped, pre-seed or seed, and that's such an exciting time, but also a really challenging time. 50 to 90% of early stage startups don't make it. We should be able to get our startups over the hump and without guessing or throwing spaghetti. Marketing is an important part of your go-to-market strategy, but you need to understand the why behind the what in order to get clarity, make the right decisions and get results. Welcome to season four, where I'll be asking why in order to help bring more clarity to the messy world of early stage startup marketing. Hi, it's the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast, and I have got Josh Lohman here with me. It is round two with you, Josh, because you were so amazing the last time. Josh is the founder and CCO at Goldfront, and... Goldfront is a category design studio based in San Francisco and LA. And what they're doing is they're helping startups create and own their category. So if you haven't yet, please check out episode 84. It's called What I've Learned from Category Designing 50 Plus Startups. And it's literally Josh and I, like I really wanted to focus on category design He's helped startups like Robinhood, Newzella, Uber, Bizabo, Clary create and own their category. So I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to bring Josh onto the show and dig into exactly how he helps them design categories and learn about some very specific examples. So listen to that one if you're category designing. But today, I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this because we're going to talk about a juicy why question 
that Josh, I think you can really help us all answer. I'm asking a lot of why questions in season four. I'm trying to focus on the why, not as much on the what, the tactics, but on the why, the strategy of different running your marketing plays and tactics, the strategy behind go-to-market, strategy behind selling, all that stuff. I have been working with early stage startups for over three years and developed this approach called MASS, Marketing as a System. I give them a process and I help them understand the why behind it because I think that's so, so important. If you understand the why, you'll have more clarity to make the right decisions and get results. All right. So Josh, I wanted you to come on and you actually, I want to give a quick backstory. I pitched you. Yeah, you pitched me, right? Yeah. Usually I'm the one that's like, and this is what I want to talk about. And then the guest goes, okay, let's talk about that. That's great. You said, Anna, we should talk about this why question on your show for season four. And the question is, why happiness? So why happiness? Let's just bring this back to startups. Why are we talking about this? And I think it has a little bit to do with founders, but let me just give the floor to you, Josh. Well, I think when I saw your question, I was reminded of a number of years working at Stone Yamashita Partners starting around 20 years ago, where that was an agency and a consultancy that was all built around the question of why and what is your purpose. And so when I hear, you know, you saying season four is going to be about why I think of it as sort of about purpose statements, right? And when I think about purpose statements, I feel like these have been just sort of like misunderstood and used largely in the wrong way in the world of business, both for startups, scale-ups, public companies, whatever. And I serve CEOs who are founders, and I see a lot of unhappiness in them. I see a lot of happiness too. And um, I think it's really important that we're talking about when we talk about why and purpose, that we acknowledge that the ultimate why is we want to be happy. And we leave that out of the equation a lot when we talk about business. If you're like, you're on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, right? And we're like, okay, here's my thing. I'm, this is what I think. And everybody's talking about how to make their revenue grow. And like, well, why aren't we talking about happiness? Because we're being invited to leave happiness out of the equation. And what I see, I think, is for me and for other CEO founders that I meet with, it's doing them a disservice. I see where you're getting to, Josh. It's also the reason why I had to pause this summer with the podcast because, you know, I was finishing up season three and I'm like, I need to be doing this for myself as much as I'm doing this for other people. Otherwise, it's just not going to continue. And I think that ties back to founders and the startups they're building you have to do it as much for yourself. As weird as that sounds, it kind of ties back to like when you're on an airplane and then the mask comes down and you have to put the mask on yourself before you put it on the person next to you, your child, assuming not the adult next to you. You're right. Like, I think that all kind of ties back to it has to be for you first and then for others next. Otherwise, you'll run out of steam. Yeah. And I think we're all we're all dealing with this. I mean, when I saw that you said, oh, we, I've got season four coming up. I'm like, oh, God, that's so smart because sometimes I don't feel like doing my podcast. I just don't want to. It doesn't make me happy. And But I don't have seasons like you do. 
And I thought, oh, I got to try that out. That's going to make me happier. Yeah. I mean, seasons, first of all, we have them naturally in life. There are seasons in life. There are seasons when you're 25 and you're like, I don't care about sleep and I'm just going to go and, you know, pound it out and just like work through the night and and then go party. And like, that's a season. And then you have a child and you're like, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep at 6 p.m. That's a season, right? Mm-hmm. Pulling forward on your career, pulling back a little bit and trying to create that balance. These are all seasons. So I think it's just naturally makes sense to bring in seasons into the podcast. Season three, I was really pumped about diving into creativity and experimentation within startups. And why aren't we doing more of that? And the ones that are, what results are they getting? But then after six months of that, I'm like, I need something else. I feel like I dove into this. There was a reason I did in January, but now it's June right at that time. And I need something else. And I needed to just stop and think, what is that something else? So there's so much goodness to just like the pause and thinking about the why, why are you doing this? And bringing that up more, I think it's in the world of business because it you got it at the end of the day, like you got to be happy about what you're building. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got an idea for, and just kind of made this up, but two tools that I think could help your audience, your founders, and anyone for how to be happier in the world of business. Okay. Let's hear these. What are these tools? Are they expensive? Okay. Uh, No, but they're very hard to do. Yeah. So the first one is just what I would call some combination of being able to relax and compassion. In order to be happy, we all have to have a place in our life where we can relax and not only relax, but find a way to be compassionate towards ourselves. Because once we do that, that's when we hear our heart really speak to us and tell us this is what makes me happy. We can't do it if we're always at this, you know, especially with founders, it's like always running at this very high level. Our heart won't speak to us at that moment. And so... I lift weights. That's one way that I can relax because I stress myself so much on the weightlifting that I end up very relaxed afterwards. I meditate, used to do therapy. There's all kinds of ways to relax, but I think, you know, that has to be an essential part of trying to build a business and an essential part of a life, a happy life. That's one tool. I think that it's an important thing for, especially for early stage startup founders, but just in general, we all need that. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to a VC a couple weeks ago, and he serves on the board of a number of companies. And so he's, in a way, the boss of a number of CEOs. And he said what he sees the biggest kind of issue that he sees with CEOs is that they're working in a reactive way. And what that tells me is they don't have the ability to slow down and relax enough of the time. Because once you slow down, you start to have ideas about what you can do proactively, right? You have really good ideas about what to do ahead of time. So you're building for sort of the long haul and for making decisions for what needs to happen next week and the week after. When you don't relax, you're in that, you're going to be much more likely to be in that reactive mode. And so this is a VC saying like, this is the biggest problem I see in CEOs. You see that? Yes. 
So when I was working full time, I headed up marketing at one startup and my boss was actually the COO. He was actually really good at stepping back, taking whatever time needed to kind of process things and think long-term. But I have worked with CEOs that aren't as good at, at that. And what ends up happening is the energy, like you could feel the energy on this person and they'll be like, why didn't we post on social media today? We need to be posting about that thing that we did. And it's like all the things that they say tend to be very short term versus long term. So you know that that ties into what you just said, very reactive versus like taking the time and being more intentional, long term focused. And also the energy that you're creating with people around you. It's not just that you're short term focused. It's also there's so much to it, right? You're walking around, you're creating that energy and that has an impact on people. I've worked one-on-one with one of the most successful startup founders in the world on strategy. And this person was really, really, really successful at getting the company to do what they wanted the company to do, but they weren't happy. And you could feel it when this person walked into the room, they were not happy. And that's the other big thing that especially founder CEOs run into is that you could have a very successful company, but you could also waste 20 years of your life building something while you have not tended to yourself at all. And it's, I think it's a pretty common story in Silicon Valley of somebody who's been very successful and then ends up wealthy and very depressed towards the end of their life. And so you don't want to be that person. Yeah, because maybe this ties back to my, the category and the happiness and all of these factors, they actually are way more connected than we think. That's great. Okay, what's your second tool? A second tool is something that I've been thinking about for a while here, which is we're all greedy and we all want to do good. We all are like, I like money. I want to be famous. We all have that part of ourselves. We all have the part of ourselves that is like, I want to help other people. We're not one or the other. The fantasy that we get into sometimes is that we think we're one or the other, but we're not. We're both of those things. What I see working, I see this in myself. A lot of this is like, these are conversations I've had with myself and to try to learn how to be happy. But I I see it in the CEOs that I, I work with as well, where they may be more ego-oriented, or they may tell a story of how they just want to do good in the world. But really, it's they're both. They're both because they're human beings, right? And when we can get both those things out on the table, like, yeah, I want to be, I want to have 100,000 followers on LinkedIn, so I'll be famous and people will admire me. Okay, that's sort of ego-driven. Like, why wouldn't you want that? You know, or I want to have a lot of money. Or, who wouldn't want those things? But then we also really want to help each other. We want to help other people. We want to help people who are younger, who are like are struggling and uh, help our customers. And when we can get both those out on the table and we can just admit to ourselves that we want both those things, we can make decisions that serve both at the same time. And a lot of us, we will never be saints. We will never be perfect people or, you know, for a lot of us, that's the best that we can do in terms of doing good in the world is like, I'm going to make this decision because I think not only will I be really successful, 
or whatever it is, whatever the ego-driven thing is, but also it's going to really help my employees or it's going to really help my customers. And I think when we can make space for both of those things and then make decisions that serve both, that's a pretty good path towards happiness. And I think that what generally people will find over time is that the need for those ego-driven things become less. They're actually doing good for other people, serving your employees, serving your customers. That actually grows and that becomes more sustaining and it, it creates more happiness in us. And so it's over time, you know, we can become less ego-driven by working this way. So that's my second tool. That makes sense. Because remember, like, in high school, how you're so ego-driven. <laughs> you're like, I have to look cool. And if I don't get a new car or new shoes or new this, like, it's about me, 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 right? Even worse when you're three years old. But then as you get older, you're balancing both. But then you realize you get so much happier when you're connecting with people, building good relationships. It's not the money side that brings you happiness. It's more of the, like the money side, of course, that's important because you need to have like the shelter and the food. And But at a certain point in time, it's not the stuff that makes you happy. It's the goodness that you're creating and like the good relationships and the feelings and the conversations and the experiences and all that stuff. So thank you for giving providing those tools. I love that. I think it's, these tools are mind tools. They're not actual tools, like go to this website and get that platform, that SaaS, right? It's, these are mind tools. And I think that's really helpful to bring these tools into your life. Okay. So let's talk about because this is something that you also brought up. And I'm like, yes, Josh, I would love to do that in this episode. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I just wanted to put a button on. You were going to ask earlier about how this connects to category. Yes. And I just want to put a button on that real quick. So, okay, let's do it. So strategy are tools for the mind and tools for entrepreneurship, you know, different kinds of strategy. And the ultimate goal, what is not a tool is happiness, right? Happiness is the goal. But the rest of these things, like category design, is a tool. It's a tool for us to try to build, you know, grow a business and um, get towards happiness. I'm actually not completely tied to category design as like the only way to do things or anything like that. I just think that it happens to be like the best tool I know for people who want to do something big in the world with their company or probably anything else. And it really comes from just the insight that. The world is constantly telling us to be reasonable. So when we get, when we start a business, you know, we dream and we imagine. And as soon as we start to tell other people about it, people are going to tell us to be reasonable. And so strategy ends up being something that is hyper reasonable. The way most companies do strategy is like, hey, let's kind of fit into some category that already exists. And yeah, we're going to try to differentiate, but we know we've got a market here. Let's attach ourselves to that market. And then we're going to be like the easy version of this or whatever it might be. And I think that most people in their hearts, that's not really what they want. Most people want to do something big and also just be different than everybody else, because we really are different inside than everybody else. And so I think category design is the best way to do that because it puts the emphasis on being categorically different. 
you know, a company is essentially an idea of what you're building and the thing that you're building. And the idea of what you're building could be, well, we're incrementally different from this thing over here, or we're categorically different. And I just think generally most people are going to be happier if they're building something, if the idea of the thing that they're building is categorically different, and then they go build something that stay, stays true to that. Okay. That's how I see it, you know, relating to all of this. I know this because we've talked about category design and why you believe it's the best tool and what you said, most people in their hearts, that's not really what they want. They don't want to just build a company. They want to be different from others. And I think that you've kind of like talked about something that everybody in general, people want to make money, but also be helpful and also be different. Like you kind of stated things that are kind of a known thing. I don't think everybody wants to, by the way, I just wanted to say, I don't think a lot, like there are people that do not want a lot of followers on social media. I don't want a lot of followers on social media. I'm personally like scared of that. I've mentioned that before and people are like, what? What do you mean? I just don't. I don't want that. You know, there are people out there like Dave Gerhart, for example, and he's got, I don't know, probably, um, and Justin Welsh, they've got like 100,000 followers. That's crazy to me. I don't want to be a movie star. I don't want to be famous. <laughs> but there are people that do. So I think there are levels of this, right? Some people are fine, like behind the scenes, but they still love hearing like, oh, wow, I love that you're building that. Or I love that you did that. I love that you created that thing. That is so awesome. And they're like, oh, that's such feel. So it's not really the followers on social, but it's a different way of getting that like respect and admiration. Yes, exactly. It's not the way that ego expresses itself. It's just that we all have an ego and it does find its way into the business decisions that we make. That's right. So I really do want to cover this, though, because we chatted about this and you said, like, let's talk about your category, Anna. The closest that I've come to defining finally like what I do is... I mean, the simplest thing and my title on LinkedIn, everybody loves it because I say like I'm the Marie Kondo of startup marketing, but that's not a category, right? That's like me kind of being fun with taking a different person's category. Like she helps simplify your life and organizing your closet and all that stuff. And I kind of took that and I brought it into startup marketing because it's just a mess. And I think we need more Marie Kondo in startup marketing world. But I also developed this approach and it's a systematic approach. It's a process because I feel like early stage startups, especially, they don't have an approach. They don't have a system. They don't have a process in terms of marketing. And I developed it and I call it marketing as a system mass because it kind of relates to SaaS because <laughs> I work with a lot of SaaS startups, right? So let's talk about category because honestly, it has been tough. I want to differentiate myself. I think um, I'm realizing now after talking to my best customers, because I asked them like, what did you really love about working with me? And they say, I love how you bring the process. I, we didn't have a system. We didn't have a, a way to approach this. But not only do you explain, like now we know what we're supposed to do and the why behind it. And that started now this train that I'm on where I brought people into season four and I'm asking a lot of why questions because I think why matters so much. What are your thoughts, Josh? Okay. So yeah, I'm on the, your web page that says marketing as a system. So when you're trying to create a category 
or to create a categorical difference. You're looking for any clues that you can of what's working. And I think that if people are saying they're responding to the Marie Kondo of marketing, I respond to that too. I saw that and I was like, oh, that's so good. Thank you. Then you know there's something there. And I think what I don't see on this webpage as much as I would like to and how you're currently talking about it is what are you against? And most good category design is really just about being against some problem that is a a latent problem that nobody is fully given voice to yet. When you say Marie Kondo, that's really clear what the problem is. Marie Kondo is a totally unique person because we mostly live in a completely messy home with varying degrees of garbage and things that are, will become garbage that we will never ever look at again, right? She's contrarian in the normal world that we live in. And I think that's where you want to be is you want to find how you are contrarian to the way things normally are. And you're seeing that with your customers. They're saying, you just said it like, oh, they're really messy. You didn't say they're messy, but you you said like their system of their way of doing marketing, it's messy. It's I'll bet you that the world doesn't know just how messy and how big of a problem that is for newer stage startups. And so as you get into this, I think it's really about figuring out that how are you contrarian and then you can take that and try to figure out how might you bring that more into the language that you're using. So for example, marketing as a system is a good name, but where I would think about going with it is it's a specific method or a specific system, like the Fermanov system or Fermanov method, right? And then you want to customize those parts of what you do and make sure that each part of your offering is fighting against this problem of messiness. When we start to talk about system or method, it sounds turnkey. And that's one of the things that your customers are really gonna like about this. When they can think of it as turnkey, like, oh, I just do this. She's got a system, it's gonna work. You know, um, that's very powerful. So I think just to try to summarize here, making sure you're clear about what you're against and you're communicating that. And then bringing that idea into this where we're, you're talking more about a branded or a, a you know, categorized system that only you do. And in your entire offering, just dialing in what it, wherever you can, what's unique about this and how it fights against the problem that you're solving. Josh, that was amazing. I took a lot of notes. And I think that this applies to the listener who's also going to be, you know, checking out this episode. You can also think about it in terms of your own business and your own, like you're against some problem. What are you against? Are you actually talking about that on your website, anywhere else you live online? And how are you contrarian to how things are normally? This applies to everybody out there. So, you know, this was awesome, Josh. And you really made the show at this point. Like I <laughs> came to you and said, want to get on. And you said, yes, we're going to talk about this and this. And I wish more people would do that. But I super appreciate you getting on and talking about happiness, things that I just have never explored on the show. And also talking about category design and how it applies to me 
and my business and you brought the tools, mind tools. So thank you, Josh. This is really valuable. If anybody wants to uh, reach out to Josh, you can find him on LinkedIn. You know, I will include the link in the show notes and you can learn more about Goldfront by going to goldfront.com. Thank you, Josh. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. And it's like, I want to do this um, every month with you now. Oh, wow. Let's do it then. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Josh. All right. Thanks for listening to this weekly episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Fermanov, visit my website to learn more about how I help early stage startups, go to fermanovmarketing.com, and don't forget to leave a review if you're loving the show.